Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you. Well, good morning, Riverwood. It's good to be with you. Um, as we, as that song would say, uh, we're going to examine God's word to see how he is going to speak to all of us here um, this morning. But as we've gathered here on a cold and snowy January day, I have a question I need to start off with. Who are the people who love the snow? Who are our snow-loving people? All right. There's a lot of people who probably aren't. Some might be a little ashamed to admit that. Um, This week I was asking our staff, I said, so how can you tell if you love the snow? Like, So we put together some kind of statements, and if you kind of resonate or embrace these ideas, then you are probably someone who loves snow. Um, So the first one uh, is this. Uh, You have an intense or an inverse love for school. Um, More snow, less school. Is that you? You love the snow if you really, like, pile it on for all the kids, right? Yes, we love the snow. All right. How about this one? Number two, you love the snow if you find great joy in seeing that red storm warning banner on their phone. That's 12 inches is coming. Anybody? Like, you, you see it and you're like, yes, yes, okay. I, yeah, they love the snow. All right, how about this? You love the snow as it changes from the beautiful white to salt-infused gray to black. Anyone? Yes? You even love that snow, right? No? All right, all right. How about this one, number four? Uh, You love snow if you're going out with a yardstick, taking a picture, and then posting on social media. That's you, right? Look how much we got. Where's the bigger drift? Oh, here, look at how much we got. Or maybe this is you. Uh, You love the snow if you will spend three hours building snow forts. These are the Miller children building the snow forts. Maybe that's you. All right, so I also admit that I am someone who loves the snow. Um, My wife hates it. I love it. I get excited about snowstorms and all of that. And this past week, I was like, I'm going for a walk. She's like, you're going for what? Yes, I'm going for a walk. I put the snow pants on, coat, hat, gloves, the whole nine yards. I walk down. I live close to, it used to be called Bow Wow Beach, or maybe it still is, the dog park. Um, So I live close to that. And so I was walking down and walking up to the, the trail that's there. And I was like, I had to climb over some snow mounds. And I'm now walking. I'm trudging through snow that is past my knees. And I get about 20 steps into it. And I'm thinking why am I doing this again? (laughs) I love the snow. That's right. And it was very arduous. It's difficult. And as I got up to where the trail is, this is what I found. This is the picture. You see it. My my snow people have been here before. I get up there, and there it is. There is a beautiful, this is looking down the bike and hike trail. There is a path that went all the way down. And so what did I do? I started walking in that path. Much easier. Much easier. This is the image I want you to think about. We're going to cling to this image right here because Jeremiah is going to talk to us about an ancient path. And he's going to talk about an ancient path that's going to be good for giving rest to your soul. 
And that's what we're all looking for. That's what you, that's why we've gathered. We've, we've, we want to unearth that kind of rest, every single one of us. And so that is what we're going to look at um, this morning, this idea of rest for our weary souls. So keep that image in mind. I'm glad you're here. Um, if you're new to our church, a very special welcome. Uh, we're walking through the book of Jeremiah, an Old Testament prophet, and this is about week four or five we've been walking through, and there is something there for all of us. We're calling this series The Mission of God. God is on mission, and he still is, but right in the time frame of Jeremiah, he was using his mission in a very specific way to use Jeremiah to be his mouthpiece. He was, thus saith the Lord. That was his role. That was his job. And he has a lot of things to tell um, the people of God. He's warning them. He's telling them the things they need to know. And really, it's, it's, it's about God on mission for the whole re- restoration of his creation. I mean, this is a huge mission that God is on, and he's using Jeremiah. And he also is using people like you and me 2,700 years later. We're learning things from Jeremiah that we need to know because our God is still on mission. He's restoring and redeeming his whole creation, a creation that is broken, broken, broken in so many ways. I liken this brokenness to this idea of walking in deep snow. It's hard. It's difficult. I mean, you're taking step after step in the snow, and you're thinking, ah, this isn't right. It's so difficult. That's the kind of brokenness and fracture that Jeremiah describes in this world that we all know to be true as well. Let me give you some examples of the things that just aren't right. I don't know how many of you are baseball fans. How many baseball fans we have? This past week was an interesting conversation. Uh, they were inducting people into the Hall of Fame, and they skipped over once again some f- very familiar baseball names. And if you're a baseball fan, you're like, what? They, and it's, all these players come from the performance-enhancing drug era. And so it, it, it's this kind of dark shadow over baseball. The whole conversation really is about cheating, cheating. And so when you see baseball players cheating, you're like, that's not right. There's something that's not right about that. All right, that's one example. Uh, maybe you're someone this past week, you've been watching videos online, and I've been seeing some videos where people, they've caught people on camera walking into stores with bags. They fill up the things they want to take. They have no intentions of paying, and they walk right out of the store. And I watch something like that, you too, and you're probably thinking, that's not right. Stealing, come on. And even the stories this past week that are a little more dark about police officers being shot. I hear story after story, and like you, you're probably thinking, there's brokenness and fracture in this world. It's all around us. It's like walking in this deep snow over and over again. It's tiring. It's wearying. But not only is the brokenness and fracture just out there, it's, it's pretty close. And I'm guessing there's even some here, you're, you're walking through some kind of abusive relationship, and you're like, it's not right. There's injustice happening at many levels of your life, and you feel it. And Jeremiah feels that with you. 
the scriptures feel that same sense of injustice. And I'm guessing those who are here, you're like, yeah, there's so many things that aren't right in this world. I'm guessing those who are watching right now are feeling that. And I even bet if we were to take all of us and we were to go down to downtown Kent and interview people in Acorn Alley and say, are these things right in this world? I am guessing everyone would say they're not cheating and stealing and killing and abuse. These things are not right. Well, where does this come from? Where is this idea of injustice and justice? Where does it come from? Well, we have an answer for that. It comes from a God who is the very definition of what is just and what is right. And we are his image bearers. We, we are made in his likeness. And so we too are the ones who can discern what is just and right. And we can see the things that aren't. There's a, a verse we're going to pick up where we left off last week in, in Jeremiah chapter 4. If you remember this verse from last week, this is uh, chapter 4 verse 2. This is really kind of a mantra that you can say if he says and if you swear if this is your mantra as the lord lives he lives in truth my god lives in truth my god lives in justice my god lives in righteousness that if you're one of those people saying those things then the nation shall bless themselves in him and in him shall they glory as the lord lives is that our mantra? All of this injustice that we see. But here's the real truth. It's, this is going to get a little more personal. Not only is there injustice out there that we all can affirm and see and say it isn't right, but that injustice is actually a lot closer to home. The story of brokenness and fracture isn't just out in our world, but it's impinging very close to every single one of us. In what way? Let's read in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 11. Listen to these words from the prophet. At that time, it will be said to this people and to Jerusalem, a hot wind from the bare heights in the desert toward the daughter of my people, not to winnow or cleanse, no. A wind too full for this comes for me. Now it is I who speak in judgment upon them. Behold, he comes up like clouds, his chariots like the whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, for we are ruined. O Jerusalem, wash your heart from evil that you may be saved. How long shall your wicked thoughts lodge within you? Skip down to verse 18. Your ways, you people, your ways, your deeds have brought this upon you. This is your doom. And it is bitter. It has reached your very heart. So Jeremiah, uh, the voice of the Lord, tells the people of Judah, he's almost like asking them a question. So do you really have a problem with injustice? Oh, you do, huh? Oh, yeah, I'm all about the injustice. Well, how about the injustice in you, in your heart? What do you say about that? That's, that's what Jeremiah is pointing to. 
Thus saith the Lord. He's pointing and he's saying these things like, wash your, your heart. Oh, at the level of heart. Um, your wicked thoughts. This bitterness has seeped into the very heart of mankind. That's what he's saying. And so this is the true story of all of us. How bad has it gotten? Jeremiah is in anguish as he takes in the depravity of all of mankind and even in the people of God. Verse 22. This is his indictment against them. Notice what he says. For my people are foolish. They know me not. They are stupid children. They have no understanding. They are wise in doing evil. But how, do, how to do good, they know not. And so this bitterness that Jeremiah is saying, it seeps deep into the heart of mankind. A worldly foolishness. No understanding. Uh, wisdom? Yeah, they're wise in doing the wrong things. And it's a declaration of, really, of hopelessness. You see, this is our story, too. Not only is Judah and Israel is their story, but it's, it's our story, humanity's story. We live with this difficult news. Now, if we were to take this now back down to downtown Kent and say, what do you think about that? You see all this injustice out there. Oh, yeah, you're right. What about the injustice in you? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a little too personal. I'm just following my heart, doing what I want. I think what's best. You can't judge me. And there's all these things about keeping a stiff arm to this kind of injustice. Now what do you do? What do you do with that? This, too, is the very question that God is asking through Jeremiah. Let's turn to chapter 5, starting in verse 7. There's going to be some questions. How can I pardon you? Your children have forsaken me and have sworn by those who are no gods. When I fed them to the full, they committed adultery and trooped to the houses of whores. They were well-fed, lusty stallions, each named for his neighbor's wife. Shall I not punish them for these things, declares the Lord? And shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? And here's the real problem. It's as if we are the ones who are walking into the store and we're emptying things into our bag and we are heading out. We're the guilty ones. Notice the words he uses. They have forsaken. That means to reject. I know what you want, God, but I, am, I have rejected that. I have forsaken. And we are the ones who have he uses this illustration, committed adultery. We're the ones cheating on God. That is our story. And so Jeremiah is there asking the question, what should a righteous God do? Like, what would a good judge do with all of this evidence stacked up against someone who's in the court of law? How can God pardon this? Should he punish? Is it even right for him to overlook? If he overlooked this, what kind of God would he be? And I think the answers to these questions are quite obvious. He must 
recognize and deal with this kind of injustice. In a similar conversation, this is what parenting is like. I know kids will never say it, but what they need is discipline. They're not going to say, yeah, I need to be disciplined here. No, no, they're not going to come to that conclusion, but they are crying out for it. Too many times parents are thinking, I'm just going to be their friends. No, kids need correction. They need for mom and dad to be the bad guy at times so that they will learn and hear these things. They need authority. Because if there's no accountability in parenting, if there's no accountability with mankind, if there's no standard of truth, there's no standard of righteousness, there's no justice, it's whatever you want, then what's the point? What's the point? You see, Jeremiah goes even further in this idea, backing up a little bit in chapter 5, verse 1. Listen to these words. He tells Jeremiah, Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look and take note. Search her squares and see if you can find a man, one, one, who does justice and seeks truth, that I may pardon her. This sounds eerily similar to something else in the Bible, Bible story, right? All the way back to ah, Genesis. Yes, Abraham. Remember, God was going to bring judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah, and he now is doing some negotiations. Can you find 50 righteous people in that town? Do I hear 40? Do I hear 30? Do I hear 20? And all the way down to 10. If you can find 10 righteous people, I will spare those towns. And you couldn't find it. Jeremiah has an even easier task. Can you find one person, one person who can say, as the Lord lives, that's my mantra, his righteousness, his justice, his truth. Can you find one person like that, Jeremiah? And the answer is no, he can't. He couldn't find one. And the truth, here's the truth for us, that's still the same truth for today. You still can't find one. That's our story. That's humanity's story. Let's pause here in Jeremiah. I'm going to just kind of point to the New Testament and notice these words that the, that the Apostle Paul is going to tell us in Romans chapter 3. These are familiar, but they make the point that Jeremiah is making. Paul says, none is righteous. No, not. What's the number? One. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths, this is the paths that they're on, trudging through the deep snow, their paths are ruin and misery. The way, the way of peace, they haven't found. They do not, they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. It's still true today. That's our story. 
And so back to Jeremiah, chapters, what we've been looking at, chapters 4 and 5 and 6. You can't miss the blatant language. This is God's judgment upon humanity. Even his own people who are inherently guilty and unrighteous. And the dominating words of God's righteous judgment are vividly spoken by Jeremiah. In one place, he, he, he says it like this. Hey, Jeremiah, I, I'm making your words like fire, and I'm making the people like wood. Fire, wood. Speak the words to them. And it's all about destruction and disaster and doom to a guilty people. Aren't you glad you came to church today? But this is where we need to begin. We need to realize our story is one of hopelessness. This is our starting point of sin and brokenness and the injustice that is right here that God needs to account for. And this is really where Jeremiah was. Uh, to give you kind of a picture of that, uh, remember the Sistine Chapel from week one. I said, this is gonna, Jeremiah is going to feel like this as we read this book together. There he is. Do I have to tell the people about this? This is such a depressing story. I can just see him disappointed and wondering, man. But this is our story. We need to own this. We are a people of, of hopelessness. It started all the way back in, in Adam and Eve, making a horrible decision that has come to every single one of us. This is kind of a, a wide path we are all walking down. Speaking of, of paths and this kind of concept, even Jesus would, would say it this way. He, he would talk about gates, where sheep would go into gates. Let's all finish uh, his phrase on this one. Remember when Jesus would say, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Destruction. And so we are all headed down this well-deserved, we're all guilty, we're all headed down this well-deserved, wide path to destruction. And so the next question is this. Is there hope? Or is it all hopelessness? Is there something we need to cling to and know? And there is. Jeremiah has more words for us who are on this wide path. Chapter 6. Now we're going to pick up in verse 16. Thus says the Lord, now he's telling Jeremiah, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. Find rest for your souls. But they said, those who are trudging through the deep snows of injustice in this world, notice what they say. We will not walk in it. I set watchmen over you, saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we're not going to pay attention. We don't want to hear that. 
Therefore, therefore, hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices, because they have not paid attention to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it. So there I was going through the snow. I get about 20 steps into it, and I'm thinking, is this really that great of an idea? But then the path. I get to the place, and I see the path. And people have walked down this path before. And there was encouragement, and it was easier. That's exactly what Jeremiah is saying. He's right there at that moment where everybody's going down the wide path. And there he is on the side saying, hey, there's another path right here. It's it's right over here. It's the ancient path. And when you stop and you look down the ancient path, this is what you'll find. People have been down this path before. It's not like it's trudging in deep snow still. There's actually a path. The ancient path. There are some who have walked by faith down this path. Like who? Well, Noah. (laughs) He was someone who walked by faith down this path. I need you to go and build a very large boat. You're kidding me, right? No, I need you to do that. Okay, I will. And so by faith, he walked. Abraham, I need you to move your entire life to a land you've never been to before. Say what? Yeah, by faith, he walked. Moses, my people, you're going to rescue them and take them into the um, desert. What? Yes, by faith, he walked. And those who have gone before have walked down the ancient path. It's been well worn by those who, who walk by faith. And Jeremiah is right there saying, walk down the path. There's still time. There's still time. And here's the wonderful part about it. He calls it the good way. It is the good way. And he says, walk in this path. And here's the good news. If you're going to walk down this path by faith, you see what's contained here. There is rest It's not about trudging in snow. It's about finding rest for your weary souls. He's not saying it's always going to be funning games down the ancient path. Don't believe that either. But he's saying there is something that your soul will find rest in when you head down this path. Now, Let's pause here and let's go into the New Testament because there are some incredible connections you must see. For all of us who are here, those who are watching, this is, this is going to get even more exciting because 700 years later, there would be one who would come. His name was Jesus Christ. And let's just take a look at some of the things he would say. Notice this verse. He would say things like this. I am the path. I mean, even the prophets would say, there is one from ancient of days who is coming. Jesus is saying, that's me. I am the path. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. A little bit later, in a different gospel, this is what he would say. He would say, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. All the people who are walking through the deep snows of this world of injustice and in the injustice in your own hearts, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find, this sounds very familiar, rest for your souls. Jeremiah, right there. Jeremiah. Rest for your soul. Well, how is it even possible? I mean, back to our other conversation. But there's like injustice in me. Who's paying for that? There's something that needs to be accounted for. My sin. It's getting even better. Notice what Paul would say. The Apostle Paul. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift, as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Propitiation is all about anger that's being met. There is a penalty that needs to be paid. But here's the good news. For those who walk down the ancient path, there is one who steps up to say, I will take the punishment. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Go down the ancient path. There is one who will take upon himself the destruction and doom that is deserved to you. And so God's wrath, his righteous anger with, with mankind's sinfulness is met for those who walk by faith, who embrace Jesus Christ. And when you walk down this path, this now is your new mantra. This is something that you can say when you embrace Jesus Christ. There is, therefore, now, 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 no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Is that good news? That's the good news of the ancient path. And Jeremiah is there saying, there's time. It's not too late. This is the incredible patience of our God. He's saying it's not too late. This is God's mission. And so this morning, Jeremiah is standing by in all of the stubbornness and the rebellious hearts and the bitterness that people have. And there are many people who are walking by saying, I'm never walking down that path. I'll just do it on my own. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to do things my way. And so as we close here, I have just two questions for everybody. The first question is this. Have you found the ancient path? I would never assume in a crowd this size that everybody is walking down the ancient path. Are you? Stop playing the game, giving the right answers. Are you walking down the ancient path? Have you embraced a relationship with Jesus Christ? 
That's the, the first question. And here's the good news. It's not like you're walking in trudging snow, and now you're going to keep trudging in the snow more. No, there are people who have gone before you. It's, it's good. It's a good path. And there's rest for, for heavy-laden souls who are tired of all of the injustice out there and all of the injustice here as well. Have you found the ancient path? That's question number one. As a church, we're very passionate about this. If you have more questions or you're like, I'm not quite sure about this or that, please, please, please keep asking the questions. All right, question number two. It's, it's, question number two is, is more difficult because the answer in this moment is, is unknown. But before the question, I'm inviting everyone to take one of these out in front of you. It's, it's in the seat back in front of you. It's called the story. Everyone grab one. Gra- grab one of these. I don't know if you've ever even seen one of these, but this is a very condensed version of the ancient path story. In this little booklet, you'll, you will see uh, these major themes, and it starts with, with brokenness and the fall of man. It then goes into the rescue. Who is the rescue? Jesus Christ, and the restoration and the promises of God's greater mission. And so this, this booklet that you are holding now leads me to the second question. The second question I have for you is this. Who does the Lord want you to give this to? This is now yours. Don't put it back in the chair. It's, it's yours. Who does the Lord want you to have an intentional conversation to say, hey, there's something you need to know, something that I'm passionate about and, and something that you need to know as well? Because the world is headed down the wide path that needs to hear more Jeremiah's say, it's not too late. That's where you and I come in. It's not too late. Let me tell you about one who can bring rest to your soul. And so this is now yours. And I am praying that God would do immeasurably more than we could even ask or imagine in the next weeks and months to come as he directs you into conversations. I don't know who it's going to be with. Maybe someone in your own family, somebody in your extended family, somebody who's you go to work with, you go to school with, your neighbor. But be open as you pray through where the Lord might be leading that conversation. We are the Jeremiah's of our culture. It's not too late. Find that ancient path. Let me pray for us as we close. Dear Lord, we are in desperate help and need of your help. We need your help every moment, and especially when we have these kinds of conversations to truly realize and understand the breadth of our own brokenness, our own depravity, and the wonderful gift of the ancient path, uh, your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would bring a deep passion for all those who are sitting here who know that story to then tell that story. To this community, Kent, Stowe, this, this area right here, I pray you'd use your Jeremiah's to be the mouthpiece that points people to the good news of rest. I pray that you would 
put in all of our hearts and our minds those intentional conversations, those moments. May we be obedient. We even sang about it earlier. In full obedience, we want to walk in the things you want us to, even when it's hard. And so I pray that you would do exactly that. May you encourage us. May you challenge us. We give you thanks for all of it. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.